It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. Georgia Gardener here to help you be more successful in your garden outdoors. If you have a question about whether you need to mow your lawn, fertilize your lawn, put weed control down on your lawn, whatever you have a question about, I can give you the answer at 404-872-0750. Brought to you by Pike Nursery. And of course, Pike Nursery this afternoon, 5 o'clock, questions about blueberries. Yeah, they got them because they have a class on growing blueberries, and that's good because Mike and McDonough has a question about blueberries right now. Hey, Mike, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have a giant uh, premier blueberry bush, 18 years old, that yeah. puts out more than all the other blueberry bushes to combine. Great. And I know after five years, I'm supposed to start pruning out one old shoot and letting the new ones continuously propagate it. Yep. Uh, the problem is this bush doesn't put up any shoots, and I was wanting to know if there's somebody to encourage the shoots, or if mm. not, is there another way to propagate it? Just has a four-inch trunk at the bottom, and never. Wow, that is huge. How are you? How are you fertilizing it, Mike? I'm uh, mostly just sprinkling monologanite around it about once a month. Can't argue with that. Have you had any diminishment of fruit on it at all, or it still seems to be producing pretty well last year, and this year got blooms on it right now? No, it's always been gangbusters. I mean, it's produces more than all the other ones combined. It's a giant. You know, there's a great part of me, Mike, that says if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> so if there's not a sprout to cut out, because you're right, sometimes blueberries have this big, tall branch in the middle, a big, tall trunk, and it gets old and it doesn't produce many blueberries, and so you cut it out about oh, 18 inches or so high, and then it re-sprouts and has new growth, and the new growth is where the blueberries come most, most bounteously from. But on your premiere, it sounds like it has figured out that it doesn't need to make that new, new, uh, or doesn't need to have the old growth cut out, that it has all the new growth that it needs. And if it is producing blueberries for you, heck, leave it alone. Uh, yeah, I don't think I could figure it. Maybe they grafted it onto a non-blueberry stock or something. <laughs> I don't think they do that. But <laughs> whatever it is, you got a good blueberry plant. Let's, let's leave it alone. You're fertilizing it correctly. You're doing the right things. Hey, leave it alone. Is there a way to clone it? Uh, just well, of course, you can always root uh, blueberry cuttings. Um, it's sort of a pain in the rear that? to do it. If you go on my website, just type propagate in there. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a page on propagating blueberries, but there's a whole couple of pages I've got of hints on how to propagate shrubbery. And so you use the same techniques of propagating shrubbery to propagate a blueberry make cuttings in the summer and put them in soil, and you you see the steps on my website. Okay, I'll check it out. Thank you, uh, sir. All right, Mike. Thanks for calling. A reminder, too, that besides the Pike Nursery uh, classes today, the strawberries, of course, are going to be given away with every purchase today. You get free strawberries, and I'll be at Scottsdale Farms today, this afternoon anyway, from 11 to about noon, answering garden questions. Scottsdale Farms in Alpharetta. we got Bill in Snellville. Bill, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, good morning. Good morning, sir. How can I help, Bill? I was wanting to take a section of my backyard, um, maybe 10 by 20, 10 by 30 area, 
and turn it into a vegetable garden. Hey, great. Great, great, great. was looking for some suggestions on uh, how to get started and when I should start. Do you think you want to make a wooden um, perimeter around it for a raised bed, or do you want to just dig up the ground and plant right into the soil? Well, I have a section of my yard that's already um, got a perimeter around it, um, so I guess it would be a little bit of raised. Sounds good. Um, the first thing, I think, to start with is to till that soil up, and now's a fine time to do that. The soil is soft, it's moist, it's not too soggy, it doesn't seem to me, so digging it up this afternoon, the sun's warm, go ahead and get that done. That loosens the soil, and if it seems to have a lot of clay in it, that's generally not what vegetables like to grow in, solid clay. And so we do what's called soil amending. You get go to the garden center and say, I need some soil, garden soil, or some soil conditioner is another name for the stuff. And you dig that in as well. Again, this is just preparing for the actual planting of your vegetables a few weeks from now. And once you have all the soil dug up and amended and looking good, it wouldn't hurt my feelings at all to do what's called a soil test, where you take some of that soil, send it off to the University of Georgia, to the soils lab, and they give you a report back and say, well, you might add some lime to it. You need to add more phosphorus. You need more potassium or something like that, which you can also add in the couple of days before you plant. Dig it all in nicely. And then when uh, last part of March or first week of April, tomatoes and squash and all the vegetables you want can be put in, and the soil is good looking and it's got all the nutrients that the plants need. Great. Sounds good. Um, when, if I send that soil off, how long of a turnaround is that before they get back to me? Five days, usually, and I've got some details on how to do that at georgiasoiltest.com. And if you go by Pike Nursery, by the way, Pike Nurseries, a lot of them have the little soil test kits there that you can buy from them, and it sends it off to the university that way. So either georgiasoiltest.com or Pike Nursery, one or the other. Great, Walter. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, good luck with it, Bill. Call me again. If you've got more questions during the summer, call me again. All right, sounds good. Thank you, sir. You bet, Bill. Drive safely. We got William in Jefferson, Jefferson, Georgia. Hey, William, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I had a great time at Galilee Christian Church last Saturday. Spoke up to a group there, and they had a lot of questions. They were a good group to be with. There are some good people there. Sure are. How can I help, William? I've got some uh, holly bushes in front of my house that have been there since we bought it, and they're getting too big. Um, so I, I trim them, but you know how you trim them, they probably gain an inch a year or whatever. Um, but with the leaves on the outside, I was wondering if I could decrease the size of them by just cutting them back, and would they come back, or do I just need to rip them out? No, if it's a healthy holly, you can do most any pruning you want to right now, and they'll recover within four weeks usually. You can cut them down from three feet down to a foot and a half if you want to, and within two or three weeks, the leaves will start popping out, and it'll cover over and be the smaller size that you like. So if you want to do it, if it's a healthy holly, sure, do it now. Okay. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Hey, nothing to it. Tell them hey in Jefferson for me. I'll be up I'll there again, it. let's see, in a couple of weeks, I think it is, for the Foliage Fest in Jefferson. I'll be up yes. there again. Yes. Looking we will forward. be there. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks. See you, William. We've got Steve in line. Steve's in Alpharetta, and here he is on the air with us. Hey, Steve, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Um, about 20 years ago, we, we planted some ivy on a slope that, uh, next to our neighbors that goes up to, has two trees at the top, and now the ivy has kind of taken over the trees. And mm. I just wonder if I cut around, cut around the base of the trees, cut the ivy off, will, uh, 
will they eventually fall off? And yeah, sure will. Sure will. All you have to do is cut the ivy vine. It's not a parasite, so it doesn't suck any sap out of the trees or off the bark or anything like that. It takes a while. I've had people complain that, man, it stays green for like two months, three months, four months. The ivy stays green on the tree, but eventually, yeah, it'll turn brown, it'll die. And so if you cut it away from the trunk, I don't know, two or three feet maybe, and then cut all the vines that are climbing up the trunk, clip them cleanly, make sure you don't have any left, and eventually it dies and goes away. I heard your, I'm sorry, I heard your earlier comment about not spraying oak trees with mistletoe, but does yeah. the same thing apply for ivy? One of them's oak, one of sweet gum. I wouldn't spray directly on the ivy that's climbing the trunk, no, because I'm scared the weed killer would get into the trunk of the tree and hurt the tree, but if you can spray the ivy on the ground around and not put it on directly onto a root that's on the surface. I do that all the time. I've got ivy in the backyard that I control on my neighbor's yard, actually, on the perimeter. And I use Roundup back there, and it kills the ivy just, just fine. doesn't hurt the trees at all. Okay. Can I, can I ask you a question about uh, plants? Go for it. Sure. Um, um, I recently installed a French drain right in front of my house because I'm trying to control the moisture in my basement, and it was recommended that I not put azaleas back in there because it's going to hinder the evaporation of water. So do you have any recommendations for plants that maybe would soak up water? or Who, Wait a minute. Who said azaleas were going to hinder the evaporation of water? What's that about? Well, well any, any, any large bushes, I guess, next to the foundation. And more of what I worry about next to the foundation is mulch allowing termites to get over into the foundation of your house. But no, there's not. I mean, <clears throat> that's a common belief that somehow some plants will soak up water and like willows and things like that will soak up the water and dry out the soil. And it's just not true. There's some plants that tolerate wet soil, yeah, but they don't soak it up. If you want to plant an azalea and keep it away from the foundation to have a, you know, air circulation around it like you should with any shrub, plant whatever you want to. Don't think it's going to dry up the soil. Just make sure that the soil is well-drained and, you know, all the other things that it needs to be a healthy shrub. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Good talking to you, Steve. Appreciate it. Don't forget that tomorrow, Sunday, you can pick up your copy of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They'll have a big, big coverage on the front about an investigation that reveals a government land deal that helped a developer and left a community without affordable housing like it was supposed to plus hundreds of dollars in coupon savings. It's 817. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Right now, 41 degrees outside over the day. It'll be in the low 60s overnight in the 40s. Tomorrow, a little bit chillier, though, in the 50s. Chance of rain tomorrow morning. But, hey, it's a great great day to be in Atlanta. And the full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5. Mickey Gasaway comes up this very minute because she'll be teaching a class on strawberries later on this morning. We'll miss her normal 8.30 hour. Good morning, Mickey. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, I'm great. It's Super Strawberry Saturday it at Pike Nursery. It is indeed. I've been, I've been telling that all morning that people need to run oh. down there and get their free strawberry plant with any purchase. 
That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, I hope, um, you know, we're going to run out today, so be sure and get here <laughs> as soon as you can. This is a really popular popular day for us, so we have lots of fun. It's great. It's but great you're going to have strawberry lemonade as well for people to drink, right? strawberry lemonade and okay. snacks, and I have not had a single one. I'm very glad. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, no, we've got all kind of stuff. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun day for everybody. So the uh, blueberry class is this afternoon at 5, right? It's at 5. That's right. Strawberry this morning at 8.30, and the blueberry class is this afternoon at 5. That's um, right. One more time. Stra- free strawberry plants with purchase at Pike Nursery and while supplies are while supplies last. That's the deal there. And so get down earlier rather than later. That's right. And we've got, we've got all kind of you know, strawberries, container-grown strawberries, we've got those, too. So if you'd like to purchase them, and we've got some uh, bare root ones that you can buy as well if, if you'd like to have some more, and I'm sure everybody wants more than one. So Ashley mentioned to me just now, she says, I kept my strawberries in their little pot in my garage during the wintertime, but, Mickey, I don't keep my strawberries inside during the winter. Oh, I keep them outside either. all year long. Oh, man, Mine are outside now. I, I don't have any in a pot anymore, but I've got them in the ground, and they just do fine. Yeah. yeah they're, in fact, they're kind of pretty in the wintertime because they're nice and green. The only thing I have to do is rake the leaves and the pasture off of them, and beyond that, the sunshine gets on them. They make little daughter plants around, and I move those to where I want them to be in the bed. And that's the wonderful that's thing right. about strawberries. They make little baby plants all around all around now the mother. tell me something, and I, I, I thought, that my mother plants produce more than one year, but I was reading and it said that they didn't. Do yours produce more than one year? You know, the mother plants produce that first year, and then the second year, they, well, during the first year, they make babies, and the second year they have a few blooms on them, so maybe two years, but I don't get much yeah. out of them after two years. No, mine don't, and, and when they start to decline, then I pull them up. Yeah, That's right. The they sort of bedraggle, the leaves turn brown, you pull them out, get them out of there, give room for the babies. Yeah, the to main come thing in. is just the, the only thing that's non negotiable is you've got to have good drainage and you've got to have full sun. I think that's exactly right. Full, nice, loose soil for the strawberries to root down into. Right. Full sunshine to make the sweetness strawberries, and you've got strawberries in the springtime. Enjoy them with the family. And the, and the blue jays. And, and the, the blue monster. jays. And uh, Ashley mentioned the squirrels might have a couple of, couple of eyes to look at her strawberries, too. Chicken wire. Well, chicken of, wire. Put chicken wire over the top of the beds and yeah. keep the squirrels out. That works. That works. And the blue jays, you know, if the blue jays start getting your um, strawberries, if you make the blue jays bad, they'll go to the devil and tell him all your sins. <laughs> That's what my daddy used to tell me, so I was always scared of blue jays. So just, just keep that in mind when you're chasing the blue jays. Keep that wisdom in mind. Well, Mickey, I see we have a hard out coming up here, so I need to ask you, where, okay, would, all the, where would all the Pike Nursery locations be? How would we find them? At pikenursery.com. All right. Have fun with your class, Mickey. Today it's at 8.30 and at 5. Bye. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
It's 8.36 on a Saturday morning, 42 degrees outside, going on into the low 60s today. A great, pleasant day to be outside in your garden. Our phone number, 404-872-0750. We start out with a question about blueberries. It's been a very popular topic today. So Bridget, who's in Jonesboro, joins us. Hey, Bridget. Good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Hey, how is. are you? Hi. How can I help, Bridget? Um, well, this is my first time um, taking a shot at um, growing any type of um, garden, and I'm going to have a raised bed. Yeah. And I want to grow blueberries as well, and I just don't know what's suitable for my growing area. I've heard a lot of different things, rabbit eyes, but I want to make sure I make the right choices. This is my first time. Great and question. I, mm-hmm. So there are two kinds of Blueberry is generally available in Atlanta. I see them at both the nurseries and at big box stores, too. One is called the high bush blueberry. The advantage of high bush blueberries is is they produce blueberries early, like in May sometimes, whereas the rabbit eye blueberries produce in June, July, usually. So you could actually choose some uh, high bush, one or two of those, plus a couple of rabbit eye blueberries, and you could have blueberry fruit from May all the way through June or July, which is great. Okay, so how does this cross, because I've never, I don't know about this cross, how do you cross a breed? Do you just get more than one? I don't know how that even goes. So the, I would... the high bush blueberries, generally speaking, don't need any cross-pollination, so you can get one of them if you want to. You'll get a little bit better fruit if you get two of different varieties in the high bush, but not necessary to do that. For the rabbit eye blueberries, on the other hand, they do require different varieties that bloom at the same time. So there's some of the rabbit eyes that are called early bloomers and some that are midsummer bloomers and some are a little bit later bloomers. And rather than go through all this list and make you write it down, Bridget, it would be easier for me just to say, go to my website and look on there for, just type the word blueberry in the search line, and mm-hmm. it gives you a whole list of which ones are early, which ones are late, which ones are mid, which ones pollinate each other. Some good varieties like Oclockney is a great blueberry. There's another one called Triumph. If you've got an Oclockney and a Powder Blue, I believe is the other one that blooms at the same time. There are two good ones, but there's Climax, there's Tiff Blue, there's several others you could choose from if you find them at nurseries too. But I would say go, go to WalterReeves.com, type blueberry, get your variety details there. Okay, can I ask you a question about the um, bromeliad? Yeah, sure. It was pretty quick. I've I've had this is my second time with these. I've grown them in the house, and they look like they're beautiful. Maybe about two or three months, and then you'll have um, you'll see some brown that'll come on one of the um, the leaves, and then after that, you'll see the the flower itself turn brown. And I'm like, yeah. what am I doing? Am I killing these things? No, that's what happens. That's what bromeliads do. They bloom, and then the top and the leaves fall off, and they make little offsets, little baby pups, they're called. And they grow around, usually, if it's a healthy plant, they grow around the bottom, and you clip those off or pull them off with your fingers and repot those little pups. But the mother plant dies naturally once it's bloomed. So do I cut, am I cutting around it or the middle, the, the flower itself? What is it that I'm cutting away? Just the, cutting back the leaves? Or Underneath the, the leaves, right at the base of the plant where the soil and the, okay. and the plant touch each other. That's where you should see with a healthy plant in full sunshine, inside or out, you should see little pups that you can pull apart. Now, do you, do you pour the water, Walter? Now, I've been hearing different things. Where do you pour it? At the base? Because they say you're supposed no. to pour the water inside the at plant, the mid- not around. In the middle of the plant, pour just enough to keep a little bit of water in the middle, and it waters itself from that middle tank, it's called, on a bromeliad. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good luck with it, Bridget. Thanks for All calling. Right, thank you. So, Ashley, you got a question about blueberries as well. That has been a popular topic sure today. Has. So, James went to uh, Twitter mm-hmm. and typed out the tweet, used the hashtag AskWalter. He said, Walter, I usually pull the mulch back and put cottonseed meal and malorganite mm. around my blueberries. What is the time of year to do it? You remember the guy that was about, what, 30 minutes ago that he was using malorganite? Same sort of deal. Malorganite, uh, six or seven, well, three or four times, really. Cottonseed meal, another beautiful, wonderful, fabulous blueberry fertilizer. And now is the great time to do the cottonseed meal for this guy. He did it just right. Pull the mulch back. Put the cottonseed meal down, a little layer, oh, about an inch, or excuse me, a quarter inch or an eighth of an inch deep, not very thick, and then pull the mulch back on top of that, do it once now. And cottonseed meal, let's see, it'll take it another two months to decompose, so let's get another application of cottonseed meal in June, probably is about right. So is it necessary to do malorganite and cottonseed no. meal both, or just one, one or the other? One or the other. The advantage of milorganite, generally speaking, is you can just scatter it on top of the mulch. It'll dissolve and go down through the mulch, whereas the cottonseed meal, in my view, needs to be right on top of the soil to decompose and release nutrients. Okay, got it. All right, back to the phones we go. Uh, Steve is in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and Steve joins us on Lawn and Garden. Uh, hey, good Stevie. morning, Walter. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Yeah, I got one of those lawn analysis of the door, and he, at the bottom he says, notes. grass has henbit weeds yeah. popping up. And shrubs need dormancy oil. I was, uh, am I reading that right, or does that sound familiar? Yeah, it sounds very familiar to me. Henbit in particular, because I have some henbit in my backyard right now. Um, so the company is telling you you have a weed, and they want to control it for you. You can hire them to do it, of course, if you want to. You can do it yourself if you like. Um, the Bonide Weed Beater Ultra does a great job. Bayer uh, Season Long Weed Control does a great job as well. So you choose it, but you can do it or you can let them do it as well. But the dormancy oil, did they say specifically what bug they're trying to control with the dormant no, oil? No, I just said shrubs. Now, I, I went out and I do look at my azalea. Most of them are azalea. Some of them have those yeah. bright blue, uh, the green leaves, and yeah. some of them have look like brown leaves, but they're still having azaleas on them right now. They may be thinking that you have azalea lace bug, which would uh-huh. be controlled with a dormant oil or with the Bayer tree and shrub granules or the Bonide uh, season-long granules, either one. Uh, again, you can do it yourself if you want to. You could spray with the oil, or you could use the Bonide product, or you could hire them to do it for you. How about the pre-emergent? Am I too late on that? I saw a picture yesterday of a piece of, of a little plant of annual bluegrass that was already sprouting, or head sprouted, I guess you'd call it, in the uh, uh, crack next to a gas pump in somebody's garage near somebody's gas uh, uh, station. So pre-emergent for the bluegrass and things that are already up, of course, you're way too late for that. For crabgrass, yeah, I think we still got time to do crabgrass pre-emergent. Sure, yeah. All right, heading to Pison Nursery today. All, All right, right thanks man. a lot, Walter. Great destination. We'll see you soon, Steve. Yeah, thanks. Bye. It's 8.43, which gives Jesse a turn. Jesse's in Snellville and joins us in Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jesse, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, man. How can I help? I uh, am very... I've, about five years ago, I planted some peach, pear, plum, apple trees, and most of them are doing pretty good. Um, but now I'm looking to get some pecan. And on the Internet, there's just so much information, and some of it contradicts each other. I want to be successful and put in the least amount of effort. Um, so I know, like, Pawnees have a very high scab. Yeah. 
they get scabbed. But I bought, I ordered one Elliott from Gwinnett Extension. Good, good, um, good variety. And and I'm trying. I have room for about four. Uh, I was looking at Aimlings. They seem to be very good in a yep. number one dichotomy. Good, but uh, I can't find them anywhere. What would you recommend for? You yeah, know, Amling, Amling is excellent, but you'll have to buy it online. If you can find it online, that's great. Uh, the Gwinnett Extension Office has that Elliott. If you can find Stewart, they work well. Stewart works as a good uh, variety. Gloria Grande is another one that works nicely in Georgia. Mahan is going to give you scab at the wazoo, so do not get that. And that's the big thing to think about when choosing a pecan tree. It's going to take easily five years before you have pecans on it. And pecans are so susceptible to that scab disease, and so you can get resistant varieties like Stewart, like Elliot, like Gloria Grande, uh, Amling. All of those are resistant to scab, no problem with it. So that's the ones to choose. And then there's some that just get it all the time. These paper shells that are advertised on the back of the parade magazine and the newspaper, I would not plant those at all. I think they get scab way more than I would like. So, so like Choctaw. Choctaw, I think it's pretty good, too, yeah. Oh, that's a good one to get? I think so. I, off okay. the top of my head, I can't remember right now, to be honest with you. I know. There's, that's what I mean. There's so many of them. Look, if you, wanna, uh, if you want the direct information, I guess, about pecan variety choices, um, that's another one where you can go to my website and just type in pecan, and I know I have a list of the ones that are disease-resistant and the ones that tend to get more disease than they really should. And so I would just go there. Amling, I know, is mentioned on there, and the Stewart and Elliot as well. And the Gwinnett Extension people, if they had more than one variety, I'd certainly try to get it if their sale is not already over. Do you have to have a number one and a number two no. to get pecan? No. You'll get better, somewhat better, better pecan nut production if you have two. But generally speaking, there's enough pecan pollen wandering around from the wild pecans in the in the neighborhood that you don't have to have two if you don't have room for just only one. I got room for about four trees that I want to do. Yeah, you're awesome. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Okay, so I could do just four Elliots and I'd be okay. I think so. Sure. Okay, and then I I guess piggyback on that the mulch. I, right now, I got two big truckloads of uh, wood chips. Um, how thick should I put that around my peach, pear, plum, apple trees? Keep them, of course, pull the mulch back about 10 or 12 inches away from the trunk so critters can't get up close to the trunk of the tree and gnaw on it. But generally speaking, 2 to 4 inches seems about right for the wood chip mulch. It breaks down pretty quickly over the summertime. So by, if you put 4 inches down now, it'll be about an inch thick by the end of the summer. So somewhere between 2 and 4 inches seems about right for the wood chips. Okay. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me this morning. All right, Jesse. Great talking to you. We'll see you soon. Yes. Bye-bye. 847 News Talk WSB, and we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Let's not swim to the moon this morning. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's 40, 44 degrees right now, going over to the low 60s this afternoon. Chance of rain in the early morning hours tomorrow, about 50 or 55 tomorrow afternoon. 
chilly but warming up and then chilly again during the during the next week. It's going to be a roller coaster ride for spring. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And don't forget, I'll be at Scottsdale Farms this morning at 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock answering garden questions. And one more thing, since we're talking about Twitter and tweeting and things like that, if you're not following Ashley Frasca WSB, you are not getting the best traffic information in Atlanta. Ashley is kind. funny, 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 and has great information about what to avoid, where to go to avoid that traffic. I don't drive that time of morning, but Ashley keeps me informed. If I ever need to drive early in the morning, Frasca has got it covered. I got traffic. I got lawn and garden. I got political stuff for Herman Cain. I'm kind of all over the place She is with all over the place. Ashley Frasca, WSB. Ross is in Covington and joins us on lawn and garden. Hey, Ross. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How you doing? I'm fine, man. How can I help? I have a question about fertilizing my grass in my front yard. I yeah. have two different types. I have centipede, Bermuda, and there's another one. I, I might be zoysia. I'm not sure. And they kind of all intermingle together with yeah. big patches of each. And just was curious what fertilizer I could use without hurting one and helping another. Yeah. Well, the rule of thumb pretty much is you don't fertilize any of the warm season grasses until they're at least 80% to 90% greened up, and that's going to be another several weeks from now. So nothing to worry about right now. But when the centipede, Bermuda, zoysia, whatever you got, looks to be mostly (laughs) greened up, that's when the roots are able to take up nutrients, so that's when you fertilize. And the fertilizer brand you want to use, you can use Scott's, of course. You can get that just about anywhere. Pike sells it. The big box stores sell it. You can use Lesco. You can use Pennington products. Anything that says turf fertilizer on it, that's okay with me. 24, 4, 8, 29, 6, 2, you know, things like that. They all work fine. Oh, that's the main question I was trying to get at, the, the numbers, the 29, 6, 4, and 2 stuff. Yeah, it'll be some something above 20, 22, anything above that is a great turf fertilizer. Usually the middle number will be 0, 1, or 2%, not a whole lot of uh, phosphorus in those fertilizers anymore. So anything above 20, 25% is great for a turf fertilizer. I'm not usually a big proponent of a weed and feed because I'm scared you feed the weeds more than you feed the grass, so... My preference, frankly, is to use turf fertilizer when it's at the right time, when it's 90% green, and use the weed control separate from that with any of the, you know, the Bonide and Scott's and Ortho products well, for that. Thankfully, I don't have a weed problem. So. All right. Good man. Well, you know, you'll have less of a problem if you fertilize correctly because the, the grass itself is a great weed control product. Just having a healthy, fertilized grass. So it's been a great Saturday morning to be at, spend it with Ashley Frasca screening my calls. Oh man, Ashley, I can't tell you what how nice it was to get that tweet this morning at five what is it, five ten saying the moon was so pretty when you were driving in. Jason Byers did a fabulous job with the music this morning, particularly featuring Boston because we gave away a Boston ticket today. That was great for him to have it online for us. If you didn't get your question answered, go to my website, WalterReeves.com. Type in one or two words there. You can follow me on Twitter, on Pinterest, on Facebook. You can sign up for our bi-weekly newsletter. You get all sorts of information there. Woo-wee. You can find books there as well. You can order books that I've written about how to garden in Georgia, fruits and vegetables and that sort of thing. Otherwise, I will see you right here next Saturday morning for another edition of, you guessed it, Lawn and Garden.